All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're watching Oilers Nation every day with Heather Remchuk. Your one-stop shop for all things Oilers. Mitch Marner says, quote, we played a great game again. Mitch, I don't know which game you were watching because the Oilers have won 11 in a row. Let's get into it with the lead. Oh, it feels good. Another victory edition of Oilers Nation every day live from the Sports Closet Studio. Three locations in the Edmonton area, St. Albert Mall, Sherwood Park Mall and Kingsway Mall. You better get geared up. You better get loaded up because the Oilers are going on a long run. 11 wins in a row and they, by points percentage, the Oilers are out of a wild card spot and ahead of the LA Kings. A bananas run and as our boy Mick Mullet says over in the chat, it was wild last night. Building was crazy. It was a playoff-like atmosphere and we are going to break it all down today on the show. There is a lot that we have going on. Liam's game a little bit later on. Mystery player. Uh, chance for you to win 25 bucks to Nation Gear. Frank Saravalli on the Star Mechanical guest line in about 10 to 15 minutes. We're going to talk to him about trade targets because guess what? Lance, I agree with you. It is a cup year. I'm going to ask Frank, are the Oilers going to treat it like a cup year come deadline time? And we'll have a full breakdown of the win last night. And to help me do that, who else? Who else? But my boy, Liam, uh, Liam, another comeback victory for the Oilers. If I had to rank in terms of my excitement over the 11 games, like each game, how, how much fun it was, how much credit I give the Oilers. L.A. number one, that win against Toronto, number two. Oh, um, do you know, what? I would I think I would put Toronto number one. For the reason of, I think the Oilers weren't very good in the first period against the Kings. So I guess you can give them the credit for the resilience of, of finding their game eventually and coming back. But last night, man, like 
they were really, really good. And it was obviously a bit of a, a dry patch in there where probably start the second period, they won another game, but it, it felt like it was the other's game to lose the entire the entire game. And then they just found a way to get it done. And credit to Ryan McLeod, you could argue that's maybe it's just a, a bit of recency bias, but that might have been Ryan McLeod's best game as an open toilet last night. Uh, yeah, it honestly might have been, man. Uh, I want to get to this one here from Maynard. He says, I know the stats don't show it, but for me, that was one of McDavid's best performances ever. The guy was on mm-hmm. a mission. What we saw last night was Connor in cup or bus mode. Listen, we know he always gets up for playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs. He loves this matchup. He loves the spotlight. Last night, not just Connor, but I'm going to give a ton of love today to Leon Dreisaitl as well. And I mean, Connor, I've never questioned a lot with Connor McDavid. With Leon, I've been hard on him at times. I, I know he referenced the body language thing in a piece with spec, but I've kind of said he lets, and Luke Gazdick has, has backed me up on this as well. Leon lets his body language affect his play on the ice way too much. He lets his emotions get into things too often. Last night, Leon Dreisaitl was playoff Leon. And I love to see that because I think right from the get-go, 97 and 29 set a tone with this team that was, we're engaged. We're going to will you guys to victory. And the rest of the team said, no, you won't have to will us to victory because we're going to pull our weight for once too. Like top down, complete team performance, but it started with the big guns. Yeah, it really did. The the best players led the way and I'm going to put the best play in the best player category, Stuart Skinner as well. I thought he was, incredible yesterday for the Oilers like two huge saves the one on the Nylander breakaway was was massive and then also the one where he must have the strongest legs in the world because they were jamming at that thing and the fact it never went across the line was was nuts I think it was Tavares or David Kempf I can't remember exactly who it was but just on on Leon and McDavid I wonder if the opening roar after Austin Matthews scored, really ignited a little bit of something in them, you know, being like, no, this is our ring. Like, we want our fans to be the loudest in this ring. Like, fans don't get to come into Rogers' place and celebrate like that in front of us. So I really do believe that it, that ignited a flame under the team and obviously a, a brutal, brutal start. For, and I, I credit to the Leafs. That was actually a really nice play by uh, Marner to find, to find Matthews, I believe it was. But... Yeah, I, the stars yesterday led the way. And it's funny, isn't it? You, I think you said that uh, McDavid played like a, a playoff-like game. It really did remind me of, it seems like every time the others go into the playoffs, that first game, obviously everyone's a little bit extra juiced. And McDavid, he played a lot like he usually does in like the opening game of the playoffs. So it was awesome to see. Fantastic game. Credit to both fans. As much as I don't like hearing Go Leafs go in the arena, the, the atmosphere was nuts just watching on the TV. So I can't imagine what it was like actually in the arena too. Side hustling dad. I love how Skinner didn't let the two goals get to him. Liam, I want to go back to what you said about Stuart Skinner and the way he played. Let's go back to after the Christmas break. He comes in that game against the San Jose Sharks, 25 save shutout. Gets the start against LA. Gave up two goals. How many of them were in the third period? Zero. Comes in against the Flyers. Only gives up two goals. How many of them were in the third period? Zero. Let's keep going. Comes in against the Senators. Gave up one goal. It actually was a third period goal. So there's one. Chicago gave up one goal in the first period or in the second period or whatever. Didn't give up a goal in the third period. Against Montreal. Gives one up early. Doesn't give up a goal for the rest of that hockey game. And against Toronto. Gives up two goals. Liam, how many of them in the third period? Zero. 
In his seven starts since returning from the Christmas break, Stuart Skinner has allowed one third period goal. And it's game after game where maybe he gets beat early and he wipes it, man. Like this guy. And even when you go back to consider his struggles early in the year and now the way he's turned it around, look at his stats over his last eight games, a 948 save percentage over an eight game streak. That's not a two game, three game sample size. That's an eight game sample size. He is showing he is the mindset of a guy who can be a legitimate number one in the NHL. Nothing like a hot stew on a cold day from dude guy 777. That is not how you say that number. <laughs> 777. Yeah, Stuart Skinner. <laughs> I can't believe I just did that. Stuart Skinner, yeah, he's, he's been unbelievable. And it's nice. How do I get rid of that now? There you go. Uh, it's nice that the conversation is, is swayed away from the goaltending a little bit, hasn't it? Like, there's no, there's no problem with that at all because Skinner, Skinner's there to back it up and pick a dead to his, to his credit. But I, I agree that the Oilers' defensive structure has got significantly better, significantly better. There's no arguing about that. But Skinner's still there to make huge saves night after night after night, and he is keeping this team balanced and when they really need him, right? So, I a credit to Stuart Skinner. He is. He's the best goalie in the NHL right now. Maybe Connor Hellebuck has something to say, but in his little stretch, he's uh, he's top five. I'll give him top five. Yeah, the Jets haven't given up more than three goals in like 30-some games. The run they're on is incredible. Stuart Skinner last night was just flat-out incredible, man. I just There's a confidence now with the goaltending on this team, and that is not where we were at eight weeks ago. Not even close. Um yeah, it was it was something. Travis is in on the Facebook, and I think I want to read this. Remember that guy at the start of the year that said, have faith in Stu and should have started your number one goalie opening night. There you go. I love the Perry rumors as well. We'll talk about that with Frank in a little bit as we continue recapping the 11th, 11th, 10 plus one, 11th straight mm-hmm. victory for the Oilers. Let's get into our Alberta Blue Cross moment of the game. Alberta Blue Cross protects your memories and more wherever your travel takes you. Visit ab.bluecross.ca slash travel to learn more about what they can do. Because the only thing better than sitting around sharing memories is making new ones. And maybe you want to make some new ones on the nation vacation out to Arizona. We leave in just over a month. Limited spots still available. We've kept a couple open. You can get in at nationgear.ca. If you want to come to the game, if you need the hotel, but you're not in Edmonton or you don't need the flight out to Arizona, you can get the flightless option for $999 now at nationgear.ca, the nation vacation brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Liam, the moment of the game is going to Ryan McLeod, a two-point performance and the game-winning goal is Ryan McLeod with his, we'll call it his signature patience. It's the number one reason why I often yell at my TV when it comes to Ryan McLeod. But I mean, this was just a really smart play. This was the good kind of patience, the way he brings it around and totally recognizes that Connor McDavid has Martin Jones 100% blinded in front. McLeod knew he just had to pull it out and throw it into that general high left quadrant of the net, and it was going to go in. Uh, Gio says that McLeod is playing with confidence. Yeah, how about this? Over the course of the Oilers' 11-game winning streak, six goals for Ryan McLeod to go with four assists, almost a point-per-game player over this run. And last night, he was the reason the Oilers won that hockey game. He what should if he wasn't the first star, damn it, he should have been. I know Stu is great, but you don't have that third period comeback without a pair of big, big moments from Ryan McLeod. 
Uh, I believe the stars were McLeod, Dreisaitl, and Austin Matthews, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, also shout out to Austin Matthews on that third goal for politely moving out of the way of the shot so that it goes in the top corner. So thank you very much, Mr. Matthews. I'll let you give my moment of the game to this uh, to this second goal because without the second goal, there is no third goal. Great play yep. by Ryan McLeod behind the net there to find Derek Ryan, who, again, just popped up when you really needed him. I know he's not been there every single night, of course. He's 36, 37 now, but Derek Ryan does seem to show up in these moments when you really, really need him. So a good connection there by the Ryans. And also, uh, I when I was driving home from my parents' house after watching this game, Tyler, uh, Rob Brown made a pretty good point on this too. Uh, credit to Chris Knobloch on that that goal from McLeod as well to to get your two fastest skaters out on the ice in McLeod and McDavid and also your best face-off guy in Leon Dreisaitl too to really put it to the Toronto Maple Leafs and it worked. And it's just another another great coaching decision by by Knobloch there. And it seems endless that this guy keeps making them, doesn't it? Uh, that was after an icing too, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Oh, so, so. what do you do if you have a tired opposition, get your two best offensive players and the hot hand from that night. And the hot hand was without a doubt Ryan McLeod, he was amazing. Um, two points again, two points plus two, like just had a big, big impact on that game in only 12 minutes and 38 seconds on the ice. Uh, Naeem saw a tweet yesterday comparing Ryan to the Costco hot dog combo. <laughs> Cheap, reliable, something you can count on. Listen, I'll push back on that a little bit because he was, he's been inconsistent this year and, and the beginning of the year was so rough for Ryan McLeod, but don't let that take away from the fact he's red hot right now. And maybe the injury really slowed him down. I'll give credit to Bruce Kerlock, who really hammered that point with us earlier in the season saying, Hey, for a guy like that, who's not that experienced of an NHL player to lose out on training camp, it could really set him back. I think it obviously did. But now that McLeod's at this level, Liam, he got offense going and I'll give again, full credit to Chris Knobloch here. He got offense going when McDavid and Drysaddle were off the ice. That pass in front to Derek Ryan. And what did we say yesterday on pre-gaming and yesterday on this show? It was the gamble of going with Kane back to the second line, even though he's not humming. He had a good game yesterday. We can talk about that in a bit. And putting McLeod on the third line, I said, the defense of this decision, even though I didn't love it, was that Knobloch saying, I bet Ryan McLeod can keep his momentum going and give us a bottom six that can score. And it's exactly what happened. Yeah, he, he's he's got the best of McLeod, hasn't he? Like, there's no doubt that the confidence w- was low on McLeod. He had, hadn't scored a goal all season, and he managed to get that empty neck against Winnipeg and really hasn't looked back there. And Knobloch has put him in the position to succeed, got his confidence back on that second line with Dreisaitl and, and Fogel. I saw a thing today, actually, that uh, that line combination of Fogel, McLeod, and Dreisaitl was the second best at, like, Goals per 60 this season behind the goalers first line. So there you have it, folks. Maybe connect those dots together a little bit too. So, but yeah, um, having him on the third line proved that Ryan McLeod actually can drive a line a little bit, but just look where he's making plays. He's getting pucks to the front of the net and he's shooting or he's passing it to the front of the net. He's, he's being very effective right now. And I still do believe the others would benefit from adding more to that third line and, and keeping McLeod maybe on the wing. But for now, like, he proved last night that he he can be the guy on the line if the the team really needs him to be. Mm-hmm. Can I can I give another shout out, Tyler, if you don't mind? Sure. Go ahead, Connor Brown. I thought yep. last night Connor Brown was played a very effective game. Came very very close to getting his first as an Oiler, which would have been massive for the game that it it was here. A little bit of a, a revenge game for him. So Connor Brown. We've kind of, obviously we've been critical of him. Yesterday I said I wouldn't resign him, and I'm not changing my stance on that, but. 
he had a great game yesterday. He was good on the penalty kill, created some offense in, uh, in the bottom six there. So credit to Brown. Hopefully something comes soon in, in terms of a goal, but the chances are there. Yeah, the champ, man, he, he was so close yesterday. Um, Davin asked how many games Connor Brown has played, whatever, all but two or three so far. Um, he was right there. Three shots on goal in the game last night. A couple of other looks that just got blocked. Like, he's close to getting going. And at the end of the day, like, what's this guy at now for shots on goal in the season? Like 60? I was, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was 56 coming into the game last night. Or sorry, he's at 57 shots on goal on the season now. Most NHLers, even if you have a below average shooting percentage, 57 shots is good for four to six goals, somewhere in that range. If you have a great shooting percentage, it's 10. The fact that this guy's had so many breakaways, missed on so many, like, I don't know, no goals in 33 games. It's an ugly stat line. He played more than Ryan McLeod, or he's averaging more minutes, sorry, than Ryan McLeod would have gotten in last night's game. Last night, uh, Connor Brown played 11.07, like, it's coming. It's just frustrating. And it's hard to sit and talk about positives with them when, again, it's been that much of a struggle. Um, okay. couple other things here as we move along. I, I really debated if I wanted to bring this up. I did want to give the Oilers a little bit of love um, for the little shout out before the game um, for John Short and Robin Brownlee. The only thing that irked me about it, and I'm not oh. going to make a big deal about this, but I know you know what I'm going to say, Liam. Yeah, got me too. We don't get along with the Oilers. That should be very well documented. There's a reason why Gregor gets a press pass because of his radio affiliation. No one else gets a press pass. The Oilers, I, I don't need to air the dirty laundry on the air. When you go out and you honor Robin Brownlee for what he did, he was a hell of a reporter, one of the best beat writers this city's seen. And you end it by saying he most recently was a co-host of an AM radio show. And you ignore the 15 plus years of heart and soul that he poured in to covering your hockey team for OilersNation.com. Bush league garbage stuff by the Edmonton Oilers. And I will, I will leave it at that and try to be the bigger man. Cause if we wanted to air dirty laundry, we could, and we won't. All I will say is that if you want to be respectful, you include what that man did at the end. Even if, even if you don't like us, don't want to accredit us, whatever, don't care. You honor the work he did because for 15 years, man, he continued to cover your team, the Edmonton Oilers. Anyways, okay, we'll move on. Um, I'll I'll just, I know, Daryl Sutter says it's not a good look. Tyler, okay, I'll move on. I will move on and not bring it up. Uh, let's get to, sorry, Liam, you can, do you want to add anything? I I couldn't agree more. I said yes. the exact same thing when it was happening. I was like, this is it's Bush League, to be honest, and it's a disrespectful service to to what Robin did to provide news for for people from a, a different perspective on a site that sure maybe the others don't like, but still covered the team for a long time. And I I think I think he deserved that respect by the team. And you they missed a large chunk of his life of what he did, and rude to be honest, very rude. And I thought it, I, even to call it uh, the co-host of an AM radio station say sports 1440 it won't kill you you know whatever it was right you know whatever whatever it may be like it was ridiculous but go Uh, on we can we can move on but that drove me nuts as well yeah and again i didn't i was debating not bringing it up because i wanted to make it seem like we're making anything about us and oilers nation but i just that Mm. really irked me it rubbed me the wrong way um but 
we will move on. And instead, uh, we're already running behind on the show today. I see him waiting, ready to go. So let's get to the Star Mechanical guest line and our insider, Frank Saravalli. Frank Saravalli's appearances, as always, brought to you by Edmonton's. One of Edmonton's biggest locally owned and operating plumbing and heating businesses, Star Mechanical. You can find out more about what makes them great at starmechanical.ca. You can also head to their website to schedule an appointment and let them help you keep your home running smoothly. Frank Saravalli helps us keep this show running smoothly. And Frank, the Oilers themselves, they're running hella smoothly right now. An 11th straight win and a game last night that honestly felt like a playoff game. Yeah, I think the atmosphere, anytime you get a bunch of uh, Edmonton Leaf fans in the building, it's always nice. Uh, Everyone that's a loyal fan, they know that's the one game. Sell your tickets, help out your season ticket payment. Uh, And so, yeah, you get those uh, fraud Edmonton Leaf fans in there and all of a sudden it feels like a different environment. Also, just the way the Oilers played last night, like that was probably the most physical we've seen Connor McDavid, even on the goal by Ryan McLeod that goes down as the game winner. I mean, Connor McDavid lays a big hit, goes right to the net and sets the screen like he's the reason that goal happened, although it was a great play by Ryan McLeod. But the thing that's impressing me the most, Frank, about this 11 game winning streak is the amount of low scoring games this team is winning. Like last night, it's 2-1 heading into the third period. You go back through that road trip, it's a couple of 2-1 wins, one of which was still in overtime, a 3-2 overtime win. Like they're locking it down, playing great D and getting great goaltending. Yeah, I would say what's more impressive to me isn't necessarily the score or the event. It's the fact that the Oilers have had a few nights during this stretch, invariably, where you just don't have your best game. And they've found ways to grind it out. Like I look at that one in Montreal and I go, perfect example. One of the worst teams in the league probably had some fun in the city the night before the game. Uh, You're in a spot where, you know, you need to keep the streak going. You need to pile up as many points as you can and you find a way to dig it out. And that, you know, even a game like last night against the Leaf team, you know, you're in a spot in that game where you're down. It would have probably been easy to pack it in and say, you know what? 10 games, Franchise record, eh, we're good. Yet, they've found a way to really win in different ways, which I think is really important. That's the name of the game in the NHL, 82-game season. It's impossible to be at your very best for the whole time. But if you can find ways to win on nights that you don't have top gear, that's really what's special. Uh, Frank, at the start of the season, I remember you saying if the Oilers can get back to, I think it was 41 points in 41 games, and they've got a real good chance of still making the playoffs. And now they've surpassed that quite significantly. How surprised they hit that at 30 games, by the way. Yeah. How how surprised are you, though, that they've been able to go on these two big runs? Not really that surprised. I mean, go back and find a clip. I'm sure there's one of them that exists for Boardsy or whoever wants to find it from earlier in the season when the Oilers season appeared to be in a ditch. And I said, this team is fully capable of reeling off eight wins in a row or 10 wins in a row. And no one would be surprised. I mean, think about the way that they finished last season. 14-0-1, heading right into the playoffs, beating some of the best teams in the league in that stretch. This is a really good team that lost its way and lost its confidence. I'm not harping on it. I would still tend to think that as big of a change as, as Chris Knobloch has been, that they probably would have found their footing either way this season and dug out of this. I don't know that they would have done it quite as quickly, but... Here they are, a team that is meeting expectations. It's not all going to be 10-game 
winning streaks or 11 game winning streaks, but this has not just helped prop up this season, but has restored belief that this team is a true Stanley cup contender. So what are the expectations for them as I know we're still 50 days away, but do you get the sense Ken Holland in what could be his final year as an NHL GM is sitting there going, okay, I got a legit cup contender. I got my first and second rounders this year. I got my first rounder next season as well. A few prospects like, is this going to be a not just push one or two chips into the middle, but push them all into the middle kind of run for the Oilers? I think it is. I mean, I think they've demonstrated with their ability to bounce back how they faced that adversity squarely uh, right as soon as the season started and found a way to make it back uh, that they're wholly deserving of being that team that it has a burn the boats type year. That's the phrase I've used since training camp. I think that's the spot that they're in, given some of the contractual statuses that they have. I don't know that it should necessarily all be for rentals. Uh, and you could certainly find some players that have term, but I think that this team as constituted deserves uh, some serious consideration to be one of those teams that's all in trying to do as much as they can while you have these core players under contract and in their prime, because you just don't know what the future holds. You really don't. And it's not necessarily as someone like Sidney Crosby has reminded us, it's not necessarily always just about money or draft picks or something like that. Health can sometimes play a huge part of that. Knock on wood, the Oilers have been really pretty healthy for the most part. So when you've got a year like this, you you have to take advantage. You have to show everyone that you're serious about trying to win. I think we all know at this point that the Oilers and Corey Perry have, there's kind of a thing going on, right? But what what is the, is there a deadline on that? Like how quickly could we see Corey Perry sign for a team in this league? I there's the only deadline is March 8th so that mm. he's eligible for the playoffs in terms of actual authentic timeline. I don't know what it is. I don't think teams know what it is yet. I think if I'm just personally handicapping it, given that we're only two weeks away from the all-star break, my guess, the logic would seem to indicate that this is something that happens on the other side of the break, but I wouldn't bet my house on it um, in terms of, the Oilers and their interest. Like, I think they're on a list of five to seven teams that have been, um, you know, have reached out, have done their due diligence, have put themselves in a position where um, they could, you know, be up for his services. And I think they wanted to find out too, what, not only what happened, but what have you been up to over Mm -hmm. the last number of weeks since then? This is a player that eats, sleeps, breathes hockey, every aspect of it. And, He's a gamer that wants to be out there. So I have no doubt that he'll be back this season. I just don't know where and I don't know when, but I know I I know that there is mutual interest from that standpoint. Yeah, and I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense too. Like when you talk about an Oilers team that wants to go all in, burn the boats kind of season, and they probably need a layer of depth on defense. They probably need a top six winger, bottom six winger, and a third line center. You don't have that many assets to go get four things. But if to one get one cut, for free, it's yeah. huge, right? Like yeah. That's why this makes so much sense. And positionally, being a right shot and being a guy who has legitimate playoff experience, having lost in a Stanley Cup final three times in a row, having won a cup in the early part of his career, he's hungry to get there again. I think that rubs off on people. I think, you know, the team... Remember when Duncan Keith came over and really how I think... You know, his play, it was, it was fine. It was good. 
but it wasn't like Stanley Cup caliber, Con Smythe caliber, Duncan Keith. But remember how the Oilers reacted in that playoff run? Like they just seemed to have a little bit more calmness to them. And I think he was a huge part of that. And I think having someone like Corey Perry could do or offer you the same type of thing who's been in a lot of different spots that people gravitate to. How how much would his cap hit be, do you think? Do you think he would come in right at league minimum? I don't think money is an issue here. I I mean, look, there's a guy that's made $100 million in his career. I think he's probably been pretty smart with it. Um, The money that he took in Chicago this year, it wasn't... That's not why he went there. It wasn't that they were willing to pay him more. They had, as we see now with Jason Dickinson and Nick Foligno, they just had more to offer. And he was really swayed by the opportunity to come in and play with Connor Bedard. And he felt like that gave him a shot in the arm would provide a little, you know, mentorship to Bedard as well. That part of it kind of backfired for the Hawks, but you know, I I don't get any sense that he's sitting here after what he went through in late November that he's going to, you know, necessarily pick or exclude someone based solely on money. That's fair. Uh, one of the exercises Liam and I did the other day when we were talking about this team and how they, you know, free up cap space ahead of the deadline, you know, early in the year, it was like, okay, well, you'd sacrifice a Warren Fogel. That's your captain. Okay. Now he's played so well. You maybe don't want to move him. Cody Cece may be in the same boat. The idea of Brett Kulak maybe being a luxury they can't afford 2.75 million on the bottom pairing. And what Liam and I were shooting around was, if you were to swap Kulak for Broberg, who's playing great down in Bakersfield right now, you save yourself two million bucks. Okay, that two million bucks could get you a Monahan at fifty percent retained and a Nick Sealer, and Brett Kulak probably gets you a pick in return as well, not even just a pure cap dump. The idea of Kulak being something this team just can't afford to hold on to if they want to upgrade two or three spots. What do you make of that? I think it makes a ton of sense to me. If I were to add an Oilers roster player to the trade board right now, he would be the guy. Before, earlier in the season, it was like, okay, it's Warren Fogle. And then at some point, kind of in the preseason, we were kicking around the idea of Cody Cece. And both those guys have really kind of played themselves off of that list. But I think if you were to take Brett Kulak right at this exact moment in time and swap him out with Broberg, not only would you get the same thing for less money, Broberg can give you what Kulak is now, but you'd also then have a future asset that you can continue to grow around uh, as opposed to really have him be frustrated and lose him, which you started to see earlier in the year uh, when there was that trade request that was put in. So um, look, that's, something that they're going to have to navigate. I think some of the really, really good teams in the NHL, they avoid year in and year out moving pieces off of their roster just to accommodate others. But I think in this case, it warrants consideration given that Broberg is sort of the way of the future and he's here and ready and available right now at a much cheaper price point. Uh, That's certainly something I would consider exploring. Is there somebody out there that you think Oilers fans should maybe be talking about a little bit more? Uh, by the way, I just wanted to add in uh, to Tyler's uh, thing about Nick Sealer. I, I think the Flyers have already engaged in talks to try and bring Sealer back on an extension. So uh, you might at some point scratch him off the list in the near future. Not not yet, but 
I think the Flyers are kind of realizing that as good as Sealer has been for them, he's not going to get you a first-round pick, for instance. And, you know, you're probably looking at a late second, which is a borderline third, and all of a sudden they're going borderline third. This guy's. we should just re-sign him and keep him as opposed to that. Um, And so to answer your question, Liam, I would say um, not really. I, I actually think time is on the Oilers' side right now because mm-hmm. we don't have a 100% complete view of what the deadline looks like yet. I mean, our, our deadline countdown is ongoing 52 days from today. We've got a story up every day on dailyfaceoff.com, shameless plug. But when I look at where the Oilers are, and, and Tyler, you rattled off kind of like four different needs, and we didn't even mention goaltending, like... What happens if something else surfaces, another problem surfaces or an issue or a hole that you've already spent all your assets on and you can't go back and unring the bell? So I I think, look, if there's one player in particular that the Oilers are really jacked about and are going to move heaven and earth to make it happen and you want to do it early, I get that. But if that's not the case or if you feel like you can play it out toward the end, I think patience in this case is probably their best play. And luckily for the Oilers, that's kind of Ken Holland's middle name. You mentioned the Western Conference objectives article, or sorry, the deadline preview, one of which was the Western Conference objectives article. And just reading through that, like, you know, in past years, the Eastern Conference, it felt like by January, February, we kind of knew who all the playoff teams were. Well, you look at the West right now, okay, Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas, they're making it in the Central. And I think you could... In all likelihood, look at the four teams right now in the Pacific, Edmonton, L.A., Vegas, Vancouver, and go, yep, they're all going to get in as well. feels like seven of the eight playoff spots are kind of spoken for now, and all seven of those teams have Stanley Cup aspirations. I used the term arms race with you on uh, Daily Faceoff Live the other day. Is that an accurate way to kind of put what we might see from these seven teams ahead of the deadline? I think in some ways, because some of them are looking for the same thing. Like if you look at the Winnipeg Jets, they're looking for a second line center. The Colorado Avalanche are looking for a second line center. I think in a perfect world, what the Vancouver Canucks do, although they said top six forward, is they go out and get a second line center. So there is some competition there, but I think the one thing to really consider is how many teams look at that seven team race and sit back and say, you know what? While everyone else is out here absolutely blowing their brains out with future assets and really limiting their chances down the road, maybe we should just roll the dice with what we have. Like, I look at the last two Stanley Cup winners, Vegas and Colorado, and the one thing that ties both of those two teams together is that neither one of them traded a first-round pick in the deadline before winning the Cup. So sometimes less is more. And I look at some teams where you're, you're talking about a disruption of chemistry. You're talking about trading away prospects that are really going to help your team in the near term. Like I look at a team like Dallas. I don't, maybe you say they could go out and get a, a, a third pair right shot defenseman, but Haskinen's coming back. You know, Ottinger is back. I, I don't see a hole in that roster. And I think they're built to play in the playoffs, not necessarily win in the regular season. And I'm going, why would you trade your first round picks, Logan Stankoven, all these great prospects that you have when you, you probably aren't, you're, you're talking about a single digit 
improvement in your chances to win the Stanley Cup and probably a low single digit when you consider the competition. So arms race, maybe, but I, I, I'm wondering if the smartest teams at this deadline are the ones who do less. Yeah, and that might end up being the case too, especially because some of these teams, as they age out, you might be sitting there in two years going, oh, thank God we didn't move a Stankhoven or whoever from Dallas for a rental because two years from now, you're going to be thanking yourself. Uh, Frank, I'm going to be seeing you. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just wanted to add one thing. I think the Oilers are in a different category. I think they have more visible holes than some of the other teams that are in that mix. And to not do that... I think is doing a huge to not go out and make changes is doing a huge disservice to the core that you have. And you have spent so much money on and expectations on it'd be a shame to really, you know, going into the playoffs, knowing we have these three or four things that we could tackle and we didn't do it. I, I got one more quickly, Frank. Sorry. Um, Vincent Dehane is a UFA at the end of the season of the Oilers start any negotiations or is there any kind of ballpark of what he's going to be expecting this summer? Nothing. Just total transparency. I, I haven't asked and sure. I can certainly check into that. Thank you. I'll check in next week. Perfect. <laughs> uh, Frank, I'm going to see you this weekend out at the Jasper Pond Hockey Tournament. Big shout out to Tourism Jasper and Booster Juice for helping us get there. Our friends from Betway are showing up too. It is going to be a great weekend. What kind of state is your game in right now? Uh, it's in a non-existent state. <laughs> I haven't played any form of hockey since last year's <laughs> pond hockey. But uh, I have been on the ice a lot coaching and I've actually been been working out trying to get in game shape. So there you go. Yeah, I've been, go. Uh, and I'm trying. And is, your, and is your liver in drinking shape? Because that's the other big part of the weekend, you know, <laughs> I haven't this January 17th and not by any you know reason. I, I just haven't had a drink in January. So is the inadvertent dry Jan. So I guess I'm in need. Yeah, giddy up. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend out in Jasper. Frank, thanks for hopping on and doing this. See you guys. There you go. Frank Cervalli for Edmonton's number one plumbing and heating company, Star Mechanical. Find out more about their services and products that are reliable, cost-effective, and efficient by heading to starmechanical.ca. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's a lot for us to get to coming out of that, too. Uh, what, oh, my God. 12.37. We got we to speed up. Uh, Chris is in. Another news. Raps just traded Spicy P. I'm looking at my Pascal Siakam jersey in the closet. I'm sad that that era is over. Um, I was a big Pascal Siakam guy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was a big trade, wasn't it? Big, yep. big trade. Round picks, I think they got for him, and assets on top of that. Yeah, a couple of players, I think. I'm not, I'm not too familiar with the trade, to be honest, at the moment. But Pascal Siakam, good player, good player. I was on the wrong microphone there for a second. Am I back? Yeah. Hello. When you have over 700 people watching on all platforms, you always want to have a technical hiccup. Yeah. Please let everyone know. The- you're a legitimate show. For the for the people that maybe haven't watched our show before, welcome. We have Frank every Wednesday, and we will leading up to the deadline too, at least once a week, mostly. And you know, you know what else we do every Wednesday is we play Liam's game, but we're not going to get to that yet because instead we have a Sherwood Ford giant question for our friends at SherwoodFord.ca. Listen, I'm always ripping around in the nation truck. I know all about the benefits of using Sherwood Ford the giant, like their mobile service department or the service department of the dealership too. Like I think it's like 50 bays there. They can take care of you. It is why they are my trusted dealership in the Edmonton area. And it's why I love ripping around in the nation truck. Our giant question today, Liam, would you consider trading Brett Kulak? Would I consider it? Yes. Am I comfortable with it? I think that's another question. I, to an extent, I am comfortable with trading Brett Kulak. I don't know. Like Broberg, I think is a, is a good solution for sure. But I, I think if you trade Kulak, you don't trade CC at the same time. You you can't you can't break down your decor that that significantly over this next what well, I think Frank said what 56 days or 52 days something like that. So it's interesting but they've got to try and find money somewhere and unfortunately for Kulak he's out of the three of Fogel, Cody CC and Kulak he plays the least significant role. I'm not trying to downplay what he does for this team by any means because he, he's, he's an important piece, of course. But like when you're a third-pairing guy who makes $500,000 less than a guy who plays on your top pairing like Cody CC does, like I don't know. I just I could see him being the option out the door, unfortunately, and it would open up a big avenue of players you others could then go and acquire. Original Pozar is in. Any material upgrade is going to require a roster player out. Kulak is one of the only places with an internal replacement with real cap savings. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where I'm at. So like if you start to kind of do some of the math on what the Oilers could or couldn't get at the deadline and you go, okay, we're going to move on from Brett Kulak and replace him with Philip Broberg. I think that needs to come in lockstep with getting another veteran to be your seventh D-man. I don't want Ben Gleason being my seventh D-man heading into the playoffs. I don't want Marcus Niemelainen being my seventh D-man heading into the playoffs. I love Nick Sealer. Frank throws some cold water on that a few minutes ago. Okay, go find someone else. And I see the comparison OP just made. It's very similar to Barry and Bouchard last year. A a lot of people, a lot of people, and I, I will pump my own tires here and say that. I was fine with it because I said Evan Bouchard can give you a Tyson Berry can on the power play. And that's all I cared about. And that's exactly what happened here. Um, but I think Philip Broberg at five on five can give you what Brett Kulak gives you. I honestly do. So if you can do that and save two million bucks or close to it, I know the cap and bonuses, whatever, yeah, whatever throw it, it off. But if you can do that and save two million bucks, then when you go out and get Sean Monahan and he's 50% retained and you know, he takes let's call it Derek Ryan or Sam Gagne's spot on the roster. 
you only need a couple hundred thousand bucks to make that swap. When you sign Corey Perry and he takes Adam Ernie's roster spot, you only need a couple hundred thousand bucks to make that swap, right? Like, again, that savings can let you do so much damage at the trade deadline that I really do think you need to be open to it if you're the Oilers. And hey, is he Christopher Palmer asked, I think, a couple of minutes ago when Frank, uh, when I was asking Frank, you know, is he a locker room guy? Tyson Berry was a locker room guy. I think at some point you need to have faith that, you know, your locker room is going to be fine if you sacrifice a Brett Kulak. So am I open to it to answer the short for giant question? Yes, 1000% I'm open to training Brett Kulak. Would it break my heart to see them move on from a local guy? Yes, because I love that storyline. Selfishly, that's something I always have a soft spot for and I'd hate to see it end. Do I like the player? I really like the player. I think a contending team is going to give the Oilers a second or a third round pick for Brett Kulak and they're going to sit there and love the deal because he's a quality player. Is he a luxury they can't afford right now? Sadly, yes. Can we flash that? I'll, I'll, I'll flash up. Oh, OP. The right. cap savings would be just under two mil. Broberg's performance bonuses don't matter unless they're an LTIR. Okay, so there you go. Just under two mil. Again, like you can go out and add a seventh defenseman and add a Corey Perry because that's not going to cost you anything because Ernie's gone and add Sean Monahan at 50% retain and maybe even something else with that money. Like the savings are just so significant that you can't ignore it. Yeah, I I don't have a lot else to add, Tyler. I think, like you said, it would it would suck to lose him. He's when we brought him in, he, he made our decor a lot better. But this team is he's progressing in a way that they need to improve a lot of areas still. And I think Broberg can help this team. I just think that, like you said, they need to add, ironically, more depth after trading a defenseman like Kulak. But I I think it's a possibility. And it's like Bruce said the other day. Uh, Broberg and Vinny were American League granted, but like a good pairing down there and familiar with each other. And I'm sure they can benefit from one another in the NHL too. Yeah. And who knows what kind of trust level they'd have in a Philip Kemp. I mean, they didn't play him at forward in his one game or they played him at forward in his one game and not on D, but I don't know. I, I just think that's uh I think it's something they're unfortunately going to have to consider. Cause again, I like Brett Kulak, but I just, that number you can't ignore that number. Uh, if you're new to the show, if you're just tuning in for the first time, every single Wednesday, we have Liam's Mystery Player Game. And what does it get you? Well, if you win, you can get $25 to Nation Gear. Here's how it works. Liam has an easy player and a difficult player to throw our way. If you get the easy player, if you're the first one in the chat to get the easy player, you're entered into the draw. For the difficult player, it's the first three people. Four of you go to the spinning prize wheel. One of you gets $25 to nationgear.ca where you can pick up Maybe an item from the new Varsity collection. I saw mm. uh, Maddie, Maddie. was rocking the sweater yesterday. It is sharp as all hell. I know Christopher Palmer, I think, has been rocking the hat from the Varsity collection. It's good-looking stuff. It's available now at nationgear.ca. With that being said, Liam, let's go. What do you got? All right. So another rule to this for the new people is these players played no later than 2002 today. So this is the first one, the easy one. I played less than 500 games in the NHL. I played for three NHL teams. I only played four seasons for Edmonton. I am still playing pro hockey. So I'm still playing pro hockey. Immediately, my brain wants to oh, go to Europe. Stilling. Um, Yeah, you <sighs> did. I'm stealing. Ah, whatever. We forgive you. I automatically think Haas or Nygaard, but I know it's not one of them because played four seasons Edmonton for three NHL teams. Um, so this is an interesting one. Someone guessed Riley Shea and it was Isaac. He didn't play no. that long at Edmonton. So it's not him. 
Um, ooh, I see a guess in there that I think I like. Mm-hmm. Four seasons for Edmonton, though. I don't think that's the one. Um, and this is the easy one, hey? This is the easy one. Uh, no, Robert. Mark Fistrick does not still play hockey. Christopher Palmer said Tyler Ennis. He retired today. I'll give Ennis some love later in the show. Has anyone gotten it in the chat yet, Liam? Uh, I've seen it a couple of times. Okay, so who is it? Who's the mystery player? The mystery player is Neil Yakupov. Wow. Okay. So that is an easy one. I probably should have gotten that. Three NHL teams played four seasons for Edmonton. Still it playing pro hockey in the KHL. He's still grinding. So Neil Yakupov, who was the first one to give us Yak? Uh, Matthias. Matthias, I think. Uh, I think it'd be I got Matthias. It. Matthias? Yeah, it's probably. Yeah, there you go, Matthias. Good I've job, never been in the chat before, so congratulations on your victory. We'll Good see job. if you win the prize. So this is the this is the hard one now. Top three people are going to get in the draw. I am a former second round pick by Edmonton. I am a forward. I played almost 400 games in the NHL. My final NHL season was 2012. I was also an Edmonton Roadrunner. Hmm. This is a very easy Googleable one. I bet you people are just going to be lighting us up. Um, boy, Edmonton Roadrunners. They were only around for one season, I believe. Yeah, one season. So, I mean, that roster, you, you hit that up. <laughs> Don't encourage them, Tyler. I know. I shouldn't. Um, hmm, four <laughs> games in the NHL. Mean. Final season was 2012, so it's not Brodziak. Rafi Torres uh, was a fifth overall pick. Yeah, Torres went way too early in the draft to be uh, to be the answer for that one. No, Dave, um, you cannot Google. No Google. <laughs> no Google, everybody. Come on, you got to try pull this out naturally. I say, scanning hockey DB. <laughs> um, here I'll throw my guess in the chat. Okay, he played more than four hundred games though. That's not him. Oh, ooh, there it is. It's him, right? Yeah, okay, I, I know who it is. Did you put it in I'll, the chat? That I just put it in the chat. There you there. go. Yeah, it's I him. got it. I got it. All right. Are people starting to get it? Let's uh, keep scanning. I've seen it chat. once. I have also seen it once. So you got his name in there? Uh, I'm just writing it down. Oh, Jeff Whitaker. That would have been a good one. My old I know. Friend. That's who I thought you were going to. He was a first round pick. There's two. There's three. I think I got the first three. Liam, did you get them? Uh... You can just read them out then if they're on. I got Adarath, Reagan. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't see the third one yet. Philip Short is the third one to get. Philip. Brad Winchester is the mystery player. Good yes. pull, Liam. That's a good one, I thought. Uh, okay, so we'll do the Wheel of Fortune now. Let me put my microphone down so I can spin the wheel. Show the camera. I, I, I went on my other laptop today, so I just got to... All right, here we go. The Wheel of Fortune. So this is good for the podcast listeners. It is. They love it. <laughs> it is. Da, da, da. Adarath. Adarath. There you go. Adarath. You email Tyler at the nation network double N dot com. Yep. The Tyler okay. at the nation network dot com. Adarath. Shoot me an email. We will get you hooked up with your $25 GC to nation gear. Uh, the mystery player today were uh, mystery players were Brad Winchester 
and nail Yakupov, Christopher Palmer, Ty Ty. Give me props for breaking the Tyler Ennis news. I believe, yeah, I think it was Christopher Palmer who sent me the Instagram post, which was Tyler Ennis retiring. Who posted? Oh, it was Adderheim who uh, thanked him for his time there. And Tyler Ennis, man, that was a solid oiler. That was, I liked having him around. Again, a nice local guy. It was a good story. Tyler Ennis, yeah, I was actually disappointed when when he left, to be honest. Yeah. I I always remember the day, do you remember when they put him on waivers and everyone panicked as if like, he's gone, Tyler Ennis is gone, and then we, he just never left. <laughs> we do love a good waiver wire freak out. Remember the Tyler Benson stuff? I mean, Raph Lavoie this year, but like <laughs> Tyler Benson, remember Tyler Benson in the expansion draft? And it was like Ken Holland had just like committed the most egregious error that a GM possibly yeah. could like. And at the end of the day, the Seattle expansion draft worked out well for Edmonton because they lost Larson and that sucked, but Larson wasn't coming back. So like the fact that Seattle didn't sit there and just go, Hey, we're going to take someone else and then sign Larson in a week. They went and wanted Larson bad enough. Like that worked out for the Oilers. Yeah, it was, uh, both of them went well. Cause what was the other one? Griffin Reinhardt. Right. Uh, yeah, we lost Reinhardt. And I think the only players we'd exposed were like Reinhardt and Kara. Yeah. That's really too bad. Juju Kara, good guy. Ah, the beauty of having no depth on uh, your NHL roster, Liam, is uh, that you don't get dinged hard in the expansion drafts. Uh, Chris <laughs> Evans is in. When Holloway comes back, will Brown get sent down? I'm going to say no. I think the obvious choice is one of Sam Gagne or Adam Ernie will likely lose their spot. Mm. Or like this Gagne thing's lingered long enough that I wonder, like, if he's not 100%, maybe there's something bigger wrong with him, but I don't know. Conditioning stint, perhaps, for Gagne? Yeah, you could always go that road to buy yourself a little bit of time. Dr. Carpy is in and says, would you ever bring back Adam Larson? My answer is a thousand times yes. I like his contract. I love the player. I would totally consider bringing him back. Um, but at the same time, I Seattle's sitting there, 47 points tied with Calgary. They're going to try getting into the playoffs. There's also the personal aspect for Larson too, isn't there? Yeah. Which I would think he doesn't want to come back here, unfortunately. Unless he sits there and goes, hey, you know, enough time has kind of passed and we don't Maybe. need to speculate on it. But he might sit there and go, you know what? No, I want to win and I like those guys in the room. Like, I'm willing to give it another shot. Uh, Diz, Gagne is an eternal oiler. Um, yeah, I mean, 100%. But at the same time, if you have to make a decision, like he he might just be the odd piece out. He might end up being an odd piece out as they look to upgrade their bottom six. Uh, you guys are all being nice and active over in the Booster Juice mm. YouTube chat. This weekend, it's the Jasper Pondocky Tournament. We got to give a special shout out to not only our friends at Tourism Jasper, who just put on a hell of an event. Jasper in January, it is the best time to go explore that part of our beautiful province. But our team, the Play La Bombas, also powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize. Or you can download the Booster Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy some delicious Booster Juice this week. Um, yeah, we got fresh white jerseys, too. I think uh, Aaron was showing that one off yesterday on Oilers Nation pre-gaming and after dark. So, giddy up. I'm fired they up. Do look, they do look very nice. I'm excited to see how much blood you get on them this season, Tyler. Yeah, last year I got uh, I got cut up pretty badly. Christopher Palmer, are Arizona going to be buyers or sellers? It's honestly really interesting when you sit and look at the West right now because, and we talked about this with Frank, there are seven teams that are going to make the playoffs in all likelihood. Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas, lock them in. Vancouver, Vegas, LA, Edmonton can probably lock in all four of those. There's one open spot. 
So as you sit heading up to the deadline and you look at the Nashvilles, the Calgary's, Seattle, Arizona, St. Louis is in the book or is in that same group. Minnesota still on the fringe of that uh, of that group. Those teams are going to have to sit there and go, we might not get in. If we get in as Daryl Sutter, shout out to him. I know he's in the chat. As Daryl Sutter would say, waste of eight days for whoever does get in and has to play like the Jets or Canucks, like waste of eight days. So if you're sitting there as one of those teams and you have some fringe roster pieces that you can get second and third round picks for, why would you not do it? Why do you want to get in that bad just to lose out, right? And never mind the fact, I don't think any of those teams buy. I think their decisions are stand pat or sell. Um, It's going to be a fascinating race to watch heading up to the deadline because if one of those teams goes two and eight in their next 10, they're selling, man. Yeah, yeah. This next little stretch here is really going to determine a lot for the for the trade trade deadline on who's available and, and who's not. I getting in is so interesting, isn't it? It depends on your situation. Like you look at a team like Nashville or St. Louis, for example. They they showed their cards last season and what they sold off of the deadline, and that they're in a bit of a retool and not looking to win anything too soon. But you look at a team like Arizona, who. I don't think they're trying to win the Stanley Cup right now, but I think they're trying to establish a bit of a winning culture there. So I think them getting into the playoffs in that first round is actually quite significant to them. So I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I don't think Arizona will be big sellers. I don't know if they'll necessarily be buyers, but maybe they'll show a little bit of belief in that group that they have that like, you know what, we think you can get in and then see what you can do from there. And like, I don't think Carol, uh, Arizona, sorry, is going to be anything like Florida levels last season, but I think they'll put up a bit of a fight if they got into the postseason. Yeah, maybe. Uh, okay, we were going to do a rumor roundup. We're running out of time. We're going to push that to tomorrow for our friends at Finning Cat. Uh, Liam, are you still live in the Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool? Um, I wish I could say yes, but I'm out. Shout out Kevin Fiala. Yeah, Kevin Fiala. I got screwed over by Elias Pedersen. We're both done. If you're still alive, all the credit to you. Get in every week at dailyfaceoffsurvivor.com to win some delicious prizes, courtesy of our friends at Wendy's, like the bacon portobello mushroom melt. It's back Ooh. in only for a limited time, which means you only have a few weeks, a month. Who knows? Not a lot of time. If you want to go try out this burger, um, it is very good. Whenever there's a new item, we always get to go try it out at Wendy's. Bacon portobello mushroom melt is nah, chef's kiss. Very good. Even if you're a loser in the pool like us, you can be a winner at lunchtime with Wendy's. Um, Dr. Carpy, warm take. Austin Matthews signs with Arizona for his next contract. I mean, yeah, I know a lot of people love throwing that around. He's still got three, four years left to go. We're a long ways away from that. Uh, let's get to the menu for DoorDash. 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you use that promo code up at the top of your screen. Nation 25. Try the Double Dash feature, which lets you add a second stop on your order with no minimum and no extra fees. It is legit. The combinations are endless. Shout out to DoorDash. The menu today, Liam, I'm going to have a piece going up at OilersNation.com where I write a little bit about just further exploring the idea of trading Brett Kulak. Um, And it's not even a game day for the Oilers either. So if I could recommend one piece of Nation content, our boy Frank Saravalli got to sit down with Avs GM Chris McFarland on a new episode of Frankly Speaking. You can find that wherever you get your podcast from. Yeah, I also have one coming up on Corey Perry. An article, that is. An article, yes. No podcast, no sit down with Corey Perry yet, but maybe one day. 
Maybe one day. Maybe when he signs, I'll try to. I'll just yeah, well, start guessing random numbers in certain area <laughs> codes wherever his offseason home is, and I'll see if I can figure it out. Um, all right, there you go. Shout yeah. out to DoorDash. Quiet Wednesday in the sporting world. Only like two or three NHL games on tap as well tonight. If you want me to recommend a bet to you, the Detroit Red Wings are like plus one eighty underdogs over on Betway. One of the two games are taking on the Florida Panthers. Wings are above five hundred on home ice. I like that. Florida coming off a loss. They were hot for a while, maybe due for a bit of a skid. If you're going to take a stab at anything tonight, take a stab at an underdog and uh, and ride with the uh, Detroit Red Wings taking on the Florida Panthers. I'm going to put something in the in the screen here, Tyler, quickly. It's yeah. not to boost our tires, but just uh, the last part, the interaction in the chat. Uh, no one else does it. Well, we wouldn't be able to do it if you guys didn't comment every single day with your questions, your takes and everything. So, Every time you come in, leave a comment, and we're not afraid to read them. We're not afraid to be called out. I'll call you out either, to, to that matter as well. So thanks, everyone, for comments on our shows, and uh, we'll be here tomorrow. Uh, yeah, okay. we we uh, we don't miss a day, Liam. We'll be back tomorrow. I don't. It's a shirt for a giant game day. Um, I don't know who we're going to have on the show tomorrow, though, because Jay still yeah. isn't around. He's traveling, so we'll figure something out. Yeah, maybe Chris Osgood. Text us back, Chris. We're, we're fun. We'll have a good time. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, tomorrow, short for Giant Game Day. Friday, shortened edition of the show. Saturday, though, I can say this. Going to be going live from the Jasper Pond Hockey Tournament for a pregame edition. It's going to be me, the guys from Barnburner. Jay will be there. Frank might even be in the mix a little bit as well. So we have some weekend content coming for you as well. It's going to be a really, really good weekend out with our friends at Tourism Jasper, Calvin Pickard, just not Nick from the Leafs. Um, yeah, I heard you guys weren't big fans of Nick Alberga last night on uh, on pre-gaming <laughs> with Boardsy. And hey, listen, I love Nick personally. It's great. He loves being a little bit of an Oilers McDavid troll when he throws out his 600 days till McDavid's a Leaf thing. He knows he's trolling, but it was also nice that I was able to snag a case of beer off him thanks to that Oilers dub yesterday. Yeah, that is a, a bonus. Canada had asked me, do you call English muffins just muffins? Yes. Really? Yeah, they're just muffins. But then what do you call muffins? A bomb. Like, oh, wait, sorry. Like, um, like a muffin? Yeah, like the kind of muffin you ate the other day, the really small like one. A oh, a cake. Then what do you call cake? Cake. Anything else? All right. <laughs> Just, there you have it. The English seems, language. Seems confusing. Um, okay, that is a wrap on today's edition of the show. A big shout out to Betway, DoorDash, Wendy's, Finning, Cat, Nation Gear, Sherwood Ford, The Giant, Star Mechanical for the guest line. Frank Saravalli really brought it on today's edition of the show. Alberta Blue Cross, Sports Closet, Booster Juice, and Tourism Jasper. We had a lot to get to today, and the hour absolutely flew by. So I guess... We're going to have to do it all again tomorrow. Noon Mountain Time. Chat with you then. See everybody. Thank you for watching Oilers Nation every day. Hit the subscribe button to never miss a show. And for more, visit OilersNation.com.